You ready? Yeah. I am Austin Lugo. I'm Andrew Harp. This is With Nothing to Say. Let's talk about the Holy Mountain. Before we get started this week, next week we're going to be watching I Know Where I'm Going. I wanted to pick a romantic type of film since it is the season, since Valentine's Day is just around the corner. I'm pretty excited about this film. I don't think I've seen any of Powell's films before. Have you, Andrew? I haven't seen any of their movies, but Michael Powell did direct a movie by himself called Peeping Tom which is a very, very good like proto-horror slasher movie. It's a very, very, very good. And they both have directed other movies that are considered classics, Thread Shoes, Black uh, Narcissist, Matter of Life and Death, Blimp, all that shit. According to Letterboxd, I have seen one of his films before, but I'm not sure which one. I think I've seen Black Narcissist before. I'm like 80% sure I've seen this film before, but I have seen something. By the way, I'm excited. I've You, you can fade it, by the way. Yeah, I always forget how to do that. Wait, here, let me do this. Fade watched. Okay. I've seen 49th Parallel. Don't know what this movie's about. Oh, I remember this movie. Very good. I'm excited. The Red Shoes has long been on my list, but I've just never gotten around to it. So now will be a good excuse to watch in preparation for this. But I'm pumped. Let's go. All right. But this week, we're talking about The Holy Mountain, a movie that you love, I know. So why... Why did you pick this movie, Andrew? Uh, there's no other movie like it. That's for sure. <laughs> Hodorowsky movie. You've never seen a Hodorowsky movie before. And I think in Holy Mountain, everybody should see it. Everyone should watch it. You know, Hodorowsky, unbelievable guy, unbelievable director. It's just kind of like a great, ideal 70s psychedelic experience. I came into this movie completely blind. I had no idea what this movie was about. For some reason, I thought it was going to be a horror film. Maybe it's just from the posters. There's some horrific stuff in it. There's some very gross and disturbing moments in this film. I'd describe this film as very disturbing and, dare I say, nauseating at times. It's hell yeah, an experience like no other and a challenging film to talk about because there's not much of a plot. I mean, there kind of is, but it's it's a bit all over the place. Yeah, it kind of is, which is okay for me because that's just kind of like the journey of the movie. But I don't think I would have the movie any other way. I will say there's a movie that is similar to this movie. For some reason, this movie and, a, and another movie, I feel like are kind of connected because I think they're both kind of similar and they're kind of grandiosity. Ken Russell's The Devils, which is also a 1970s movie. I think that movie is also equally incredible from a visual standpoint, but there's a little bit more to like the writing and the story to it, I guess. I would say that movie is a little bit better than Holy Mountain, but Holy Mountain is also amazing. This film reminded me a lot of the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie in some of his work. Also has a bit of Tampopo vibes. This film's funnier than I thought it would be. Again, I didn't know what this film yeah, it's quite funny. would be about, but almost Monty Python level of humor. Yeah. <laughs> Just some like very disturbing yet simultaneously silly moments in this film there's so many great iconic images too i think it's a great looking movie i think there are so many crazy things i think the comedy too is kind of apparent with like in the middle of the movie where the movie kind of stops and introduces all of the characters 
the factory owner, rich people who want to be, who want to live forever. There's a lot of funny stuff. Those kind of feel like, like, yeah, like Monty Python skits almost. So our film opens up on two women being shaved, I guess. Yeah. The, the, the opening intro is iconic. It doesn't really have anything to do with the movie, but like, it doesn't really matter. It's just like a really great like image. Yeah. This film is full of extremely vivid images it feels almost like subliminal in the images like on their own they don't have a whole lot of meaning but the conglomeration of these different images just feels like this very strange experience and this opening image which i was reading some article i don't remember where and supposedly those two women in the beginning of the film are actors he just found these two women who wanted to have a spiritual experience, which tracks. It's a very spiritual film, I guess you could describe it as. Yeah, and it's clear, you know, everybody's like taking LSD and stuff. You know, oh, yeah. it's it's a very LSD-laden movie. I'm sure making the movie was similar to what you see in the movie. It's pretty out there. It's pretty far out. <laughs> but yeah, like that sounds about right. And like, I love like the black, like the tall black hat and stuff like that. Like that shit is like very, you know, iconic. There are so many iconic images. So post haircutting scene, we open on this Jesus Christ like figure. Yeah, he's basically almost like the main character, kind of, yeah. for the most part. Kind of like our protagonist. He's the guy we follow around for the first at least 30 minutes. Like it's kind of just him wandering around in this weird how would you describe this world, Andrew? <laughs> it's almost like a, the the essence of a South American country, I guess. Because he kind of like, yeah, he, like he goes on a little journey and he kind of like meets all kinds of different like people and places and things that kind of point out like how fucked up, I guess, things were at the time. Like right away, like you see like that image of like that the, the truck going by with like all the bodies like that are filled in with it. And there are like uh, like guys walking around with like helmets and gas masks and guns, and those people probably symbolize the fascist state or whatever, war, dictators, whatever. And uh, some of this stuff is a little on the nose. It, it's a cool image, like when a person gets shot and they're laying there, and like birds fly out. There's something a little I don't know. <laughs> I guess maybe it was he was the first to do it, but I imagine like uh, seeing that like used again and again as a joke, like in a comedy show or something like that, like a person getting shot or some of those images are a little on the nose. I like the one with the, the guys in gas masks carrying like the dogs who are like crucified and skinned. Those look like real dogs. They were apparently they were from a restaurant and they were just like, they were going to serve them as food. So before they that's sick. Yeah. <laughs> There's no other movie. I haven't seen any other movie that uses animals like this movie. There's no other movie. The, the way that they use animals in this movie is insane. It's really like, honestly, like for me, it's like one of the big reasons to watch the movie because it's insane. It's just like the use of animals. It's so disturbing in so many different ways. And the first 30 minutes, I think, is perhaps the most disturbing part of the film. I mean, so many just disgusting moments, bloodshed and, and murder, and of course, the animal carcasses on crosses and all these different crucifixes. You have the toads and lizards. Chameleon-like circus or something. That shit I totally forgot about. That shit is so crazy. <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love the like group of tourists that's like wandering around, like buying these 
commercialized Christ-like figures. They're having sex with like military. The military people, yeah. It reminded me a bit of playtime when that group of tourists is wandering around. I think it's they have this music's very similar. Kind of has that sort of circusy Italian. I always forget that Don Cherry worked on the music. Like I saw his uh, name in the beginning. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot that Don Cherry worked on it. You can kind of hear him here and there in the uh, soundtrack. Love Don Cherry. So insane. So many gross images of just sloppy. I don't even know how to describe. A lot of nudity in the movie too. There's a lot of nudity and sexual images, but not sexual in a fun way say it's like super sexualized movie i mean there is like sex there's a lot of sex i mean it doesn't feel sexy i'm not saying it's a sexy movie but there is a lot of sexual images a lot of phallic images a lot of penises vaginas and boobs yeah it rocks (laughs) yeah i love the part where he's like he meets up with like those uh, people that are dressed up like uh, roman guards or whatever and they get him drunk it's kind of funny, but, you know, it's like, whoa. I'm guessing he's like, Hodorowsky's trying to make like a comment about like the commodification and that even like the image of Jesus being crucified is a commodified image. If you truly believe in it, you know, it's like an insane thing that happened. And so like the commodification of like Jesus being crucified is like kind of a weird thing. He like, while he's drunk, they like pour a bunch of like slop onto him and then they like make a mold of him so they can make these big paper mache Jesuses. That part's pretty nuts absolutely wild and then he goes around carrying a paper mache version of himself wandering through the streets meeting all these wacky people he meets all those prostitutes <laughs> who are like all wearing the same thing yeah there's a lot of details in the movie there's a lot of like visual details that are kind of hard to miss like with the prostitutes you know there's one who i guess falls in love with him i guess the thief as he's he's named in the credits and she has like a monkey yes there's a monkey in the film Who's just chilling. Yeah, it's like her friend that she has with her. There's no explanation. There's not really a lot of dialogue in the movie that explains anything. You just kind of have to go on the ride. Like, if you go in the movie, like, thinking, what's this mean? What's this? What's going on there? Da, da, da. Why aren't they, like, you know, you're going to have, like, a really, really bad time. Yeah, it's definitely more of an experience that overwhelms you. And you kind of just have to become one with the film. You can't try to... You just kind of have to, like, approach it like a surreal painting or something like that. Like... There's surreal paintings. This is a surreal film. You wouldn't look at a surreal painting and be like, oh, why is this like this? You know, like, this doesn't make any sense. You know, like, no, you just kind of have to approach it like that. So our Jesus character is wandering around, running into all of these wacky characters and gross situations until at one point he lifts himself up into some sort of bell tower church tower sort of thing oh by the way i like when he eats the face of his uh, statue do you remember that part yes i sure do he does it for real whatever like it's like a big tower and like he really does go up there oh yeah it's very impressive he climbs up some giant ass tower and breaks through some hole in the wall whatever in which he meets i don't know does the guy have a name the pastor guy, the leader? The, according to the credits, he's the alchemist. The alchemist, that's right. Because he's discovered... Turn shit into gold. Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> he has discovered how to turn shit into gold. Quite literally. There's a quite long scene where we we watch them turn shit into gold. Yeah, it rocks. 
<laughs> I love I love the tower scenes because all the sets and rooms that they go in look amazing. Like that first room he goes in where he's like walking really slowly in like the big rainbow room is very amazing. It looks crazy. The set designs are so much fun. Have a nice like kung fu little scene, you know, just throwing them across the floor. That's Hodorowski, by the way, the alchemist. Yeah, he's in a lot of his movies. He acts in a lot of his movies. But yeah, they have a little scene. And yeah, he puts him in the thing to make him sweat. And I guess he needs the sweat to make the shit into gold. Because once again, it's not really explained, but whatever, you get the idea. Very cool looking machine. A lot of really cool looking machines. Very cool set designs. Very cool futuristic 70s like AI type machines that just look absolutely wild. Animals everywhere in these scenes too. Like there's like a baby hippo at one point. There's like a pelican, a camel, like just like random animals. They're all over the place. And he goes through a series of rituals. And I love that one room, the tarot card room with all of the paintings on the walls. And there's that image where they're above our two characters and it starts to spin and it goes faster and faster and faster. It looks almost like a board game. Almost, I don't know. It's very strange looking. It's like one of those little like spinning card things that you kind of look into from the side. You know, like those old like film kind of thing. It looks like that almost. It's very strange scene. I love the paintings. The rooms are so cool. It must have taken a lot of work to put these together, even though there are not a lot of like things in it. Yeah, the set design is insane. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. I love it. And once again, you know, it's like, you know, he's like an alchemist or something, like a religious leader. It's hard to say, but he's cool. And that's when we get introduced to our eight other disciples, I guess you could call them, which this is my favorite part of the film. It's basically just a series. I totally forgot about it. Really? I kind of forgot about this part of the movie. And I was like, oh, right. I forgot this part of the movie. Yeah, where you have all this stuff. I love this part. It's a bit like a heist film in which we get to introduce to each character. Each character has a specific set of skills that they bring to the table. They're also all terrible. They're all terrible human beings. They're all the worst. Like just awful human beings. Each one just worse than the last. I like the first guy who has all of his like uh, wives. <laughs> that guy's awesome. <laughs> he has like the huge line of wives. He has like his his like father who has like his like wife to determine what business decision to make. He's like, oh no, he's not even blind. He's deaf blind and he can't talk. And dumb. Deaf blind and dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like touch his wife to determine like business decisions. But his wife is like a, a doll. A mannequin. Like a mannequin. <laughs> like, oh, okay. And they all like own, for the, from some of them don't, but a lot of them like own factories and stuff that make shit. <laughs> yeah, they're all like high up in whatever planet they're in. They're either owners of a factory or one of them's the head of uh, the finances for some dictatorship, but all absurdly insane. I think... One of my favorites is the woman who produces weapons for children. Yeah, that one's good. I believe that woman in particular is either the wife or like daughter of Hodorowski. Really? Yeah, Valerie Hodorowski. Huh. Yeah. Her whole thing is that they study the ongoing wars of the world and then <laughs> produce weapons in which to sell to children so then they can convince children to participate in the military. And so the world that's designed there, and I, I love the different worlds that are designed, you know, not just the set designs, but all of the different thought that's put into the people 
that are involved in these worlds. And in this world, you'll notice that there's no one between the ages of like 20 and 40, because I guess I assume that they're all off at war or have all been killed. So it's all either young children or like super old people. Very strange, very surreal. That's a good point. And yeah, and like, yeah, they have like the kids that are like hooked up to like the things on their heads and stuff. And like, they have like bows and arrows. They're like, we also have a comic book campaign for. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. To like hate the enemy. It's very, very good. I like the art one where he makes art (laughs) where it's like, they're like painting like like the asses of people and they sit down on it. (laughs) Or like the weird robot that gives birth to like the baby robot. I just kind of like the idea of like the art factory. (laughs) (laughs) They're all good in their own way. Is the art factory, is that the architect guy or is the architect guy a different guy? I think the architect guy is a different guy. But I don't remember, the only thing I remember about the architect is that opening scene in his really cool house and those children dressed up as mice who... Oh, architect guy is a different guy. Right. What does he do? Like, I only remember that opening part of that. Is there more to that scene after that? He's the guy who, remember, he goes to that dinner with all those people and he has like, people will live, like live in coffins and stuff. Like oh. no running water. no. Yes, heat, that's no right. Heat. He designs the coffins. <laughs> that one is very, very funny too, where he's like presenting like in a school gymnasium, like uh, the coffins that people will live in. The outfits in the movie too are amazing. Like the looks of all these people look great. They look so weird and crazy. And the funniest one is like the chief of police guy, the guy who looks like a Mad Max villain. It's like, yours completes my collection of 1,000 testicles. <laughs> it's just a, a room full of testicles. Jars and jars of testicles. And then they, like, they go and like they kill a bunch of people in a protest. That's another part of the movie where once again, I'm like, okay, like, yeah, I get it. It's like, yeah, it's... It's a bit on the nose. They like shoot people and like things and items fly out of them and they pull stuff out of them. And yeah, I get it. And they're all from a... A different planet, one of the nine planets. They're each, I don't know, supposed to be representative of some shit. I don't know. I'm sure there's some like astrology shit going on. That yeah, there's like an astrology shit going on. I don't really know. I don't know if it's like literally they're literally from another planet. Who who cares? <laughs> doesn't matter, I guess. It makes sense. Like it doesn't make sense, but it does make sense. It yes. does make sense <laughs> to like the the goal of the movie. So we meet the nine different members of this great heist and halfway through the film we're finally giving the inciting incident which is through all religions and ideas there's this idea of a holy mountain where nine individuals are basically gods who rule the world and he's collected these nine individuals because he believes that they are going to conquer the mountain and rule the world so to speak they want immortality and so yeah he takes them on a bit of a journey i guess he sure does he Forces them to get rid of all of their money, throwing just piles and piles of money into a fire. They have to throw mannequins of themselves into the fire. I love that set too. I love how like it looks like an eye. Yeah, it's a good looking set. And then he does the whole like projector heist, kind of telling them the plan and how they're going to do it and blah, 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 blah. And then they go on their adventure. They're Lord of the Rings-like adventure. It looked like they're in like Greenland or some shit. Yeah, they're like in the mountains. I'm, I'm guessing they're still in South America. It looks like they're just kind of like in the uh, mountainy areas. They're really out there though. I mean, it really does look like that to me. But you're right. It is very Lord of the Rings-like <laughs> where they just, uh, they're like in robes and things. And the alchemist is trying to condition these people to like basically, yeah, like 
give up everything, give up their self, and just kind of give up who they were before so that then they then can become immortal elders because it's not going to happen as who they are right now. And I don't know, when you watch these parts of the movie, you know, the actors, you know, they're really doing it. They get naked, they run around, they're out there in the wilderness, clearly. They probably did drugs. (laughs) Yes, I would say there's a very large possibility that most of the people were on drugs during the making of this film. I'm sure it's an experience that could only be improved by LSD or any psychedelic drug, ayahuasca perhaps. I'm pretty sure as well, yeah. But this part of the movie is uh, it's nice, I guess. I like when the monkey shows up and he's wearing a shirt and jacket. He's got drip. Because while the elders are going, uh, the lady, one of the prostitutes who likes the thief, she starts going up the mountain as well with her monkey friend. So that's fun to watch too because you get to see the monkey. He's doing his thing. Yeah, he's chill as fuck. I'd be really scared to be near the monkey. I really would not want to be near a monkey. No. That monkey would kill you. He would, <laughs> he would break your neck. I mean, he definitely could. He seems chill, but like, who knows like what sets off a monkey? You know, it's like, I don't know. Yeah, be skeptical when it comes to monkeys. That's scary to me. No, I feel that. So they go through a, a series of trials and tribulations, breaking people's bones, drinking green goo. The guy has to throw his little friend off the uh, boat. It's his emotions or something like that. It's like an illusion. It's like just something that's holding him back, I guess, from actualization, I guess. Something about that. Spend some time on a boat in you know, a, a deep ocean and wander around. They uh, meet the leprechaun guy. I don't know how else to describe him. <laughs> Wait, are you talking about the Lederhosen guy? Yeah, he's like a German Lederhosen guy. Yeah. <laughs> this part of the movie is funny too. It's basically like a um, hotel. And it's just like everybody's like partying and stuff. It's like, yeah, these are people that wanted to go up the Holy Mountain, but they decided that staying here would just be better. And you meet a, a bunch of, of wacky figures. The poet who's just bad at being a poet the guy who eats all that candy but i guess it's supposed to be like lsd and and different drugs of that sort that part's kind of interesting the guy who's like yeah the holy mountain is right here like in drugs i'm assuming that's hodorowski who even though like he loves probably drugs and psychedelics he's probably like it's not the holy mountain though like he probably thinks that lsd and drugs can be used as a tool but i guess he's trying to say that psychedelics can lead you down a certain path or the down the right path but it's not necessarily the holy mountain it's not the goal i guess yeah he's self-aware enough to recognize that while the psychedelics may be a tool on which to guide the way to the path of the holy mountain it's not the holy mountain themselves and people who think that these drugs are the holy mountain themselves are no less foolish than any of the other people who live in this kind of fantasy self-indulgent world right because everyone in this kind of world that they meet is like consumed by their own self-indulgence like they're just extremely full of themselves and care only about kind of that momentary pleasure right they're not looking for anything beyond that like they thought they wanted immortality but then they get there and they're like oh we can just well it's really hard to go up the mountain so yeah (laughs) so they're like yeah fuck that i like the guy who travels through it horizontally that's my favorite guy favorite person in this movie (laughs) he's awesome Conquered the mountain mountain. horizontally. He's like a strong guy in like in like 70s. That guy's probably very strong, like in 1973. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) whoa, that guy is like he has huge muscles. So yeah, yeah, he's like, I conquered it horizontally. 
That's so funny. He can travel through matter, but only in a horizontal manner. Yeah. <laughs> that stuff is funny. Yeah. I Once again, I kind of forgot how funny the movie was. I like later on, too, who basically, like, I, I don't know which one, but one of them that, like, basically has sex with the mountain. They're, like, climbing, and that part was kind of funny, too. It's like, oh, okay. All right. A lot of sexuality oozing from this film. I mean, a woman just has sex with the mountain at some point to give herself up to nature, to become one with the world. I think one of the best parts too is when they go through the hardest part in the part of the mountain where they like all kind of experience, I guess, like some kind of horrifying fear or vision. Their greatest fear. Yeah, something like that. I love that part of the movie. It's great. It's some pretty disturbing images. You got like the the tree of chickens dead chicken carcasses that build up a tree you got the guy who has real spiders like tarantulas or some shit i don't like that i don't like that at all that was very disturbing i mean they're real fucking spiders that they just good for this actor who is willing to let just dozens of spiders because they're yeah they're definitely real and they're definitely crawling all over this man and it's they have that one where like they have the dogs fighting they're really fighting <laughs> that's a real fucking dog fight it, it's once again like this is a movie can't be made today it's so audacious that it has to be seen by everyone and i know people will probably they'll see the dog fighting and they'll be like no like i have to stop and I, that's understandable pretty disturbing there's that scene where like the where the like the cows and stuff like <laughs> that's also like it's not disturbing it's just kind of like fucked up yeah like I, I I understand like maybe people being uncomfortable with the especially the animal stuff in it it's pretty it can be pretty tough but it was 1973 and I think people were <laughs> built different back then I think they were <laughs> things are a little bit different people didn't know any better and the fact is, is that the movie has been made it exists and that's just how it is you know so so these people they go about they're conquering their fears in their own weird surreal disturbing ways funniest one is the guy whose uh, breasts turn into oh into the cheetahs yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know what that's supposed to mean who cares it, who cares it's weird it's weird, <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> yeah this part of the movie is so cool it happens very quickly yeah, it's just back to back to back little skits, I guess you could describe them as. They're a little bit less funny. But they're conquering all their fears. But one of them has not been able to let go of their bodily, you know, fucking something about their body or something. So they have to cut off like all of his fingers. Oh, yeah. He like his his like my hands fro my hand is frozen. And they like badger him. And then, yeah, he has to cut his fingers off. And once they conquer all of their fears, the thief is followed by the the prostitute and her monkey and the leader's like you should go with your you should leave <laughs> you should just leave like you just conquered this fucking mountain and did all this shit but you should just go home like just leave and he's like okay and they just go the monkey the prostitute and the thief they're gone the movie ends a little clumsily i'll admit i think the ending is fine like the very ending but yeah like the movie kind of like when they finally get see the elders it's like okay what are we doing here like Podorowski kind of like like walks around a little bit and he like tells the guy to like cut off his head but then he it doesn't actually happen and it's like okay they all sit around the table which have been again mannequins there's a ton of mannequins in this film so many mannequins i like that they laugh because it kind of makes sense right because like in that situation i would probably laugh too like i wouldn't be angry i would laugh just because it would be like oh yeah like of course this would happen they conquer the mountain 
they sit at a table and of course the the final scene is we zoom back and it's all it's all zoom a movie out the camera what does he say Odorowski like, yeah zoom so I'm like out zoom camera, camera. <laughs> yeah and you see the whole set yeah I like the ending it's a little some people will probably be put off by it but I think he's just trying to say like the idea right of the holy mountain is kind of recognizing that you know the world that we live in isn't reality the whole experience that he put them through is to uh, recognize reality and recognize themselves and not their images or their possessions right it's like that before these were people that were i guess like they identified themselves by their image and their possessions and now they just are themselves with nothing but that's good and Hodorowsky, I guess, is trying to say that, you know, we need to be free from our images. And even now, we are an image, like we're in a movie, like this is a movie, it's a commodified image. And so we need to be free from this as well. <laughs> There's a film by Michelangelo Antonioni. One of his final works came out in like 80s i think late 70s early 80s which has a very similar ending the whole movie takes place on the boat but the final image is they pull back outside of the boat and you can see that they're on a set something very similar and of course monty python does the same thing and that's true the holy yeah. grail right <laughs> yeah they, they do do that yeah classic meta of course mel brooks does it too in fuck which film does he do it in he does it in uh blazing, blazing Saddle, saddles right yeah at yeah, the very yeah, end blazing yeah saddles classic meta contextual idealization i kind of like it i just like the no, idea that, that the characters are so self-actualized <laughs> they're even going to escape the confines of the movie that they're in yeah it's a nice final moment and, and then the movie movie ends right there because they That's escaped it. they left the movie <laughs> <laughs> they did it <laughs> they left the movie yeah except for the couple i guess but they i guess exited the movie his conclusion is a little lukewarm, but whatever, I guess. It doesn't matter. Yeah, like I said, the movie kind of ends in a weird way. Not 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 the meta shit, but just kind of, I don't know, just how everything kind of wraps up. It feels a little uh, clumsy, but it's fine, I think, for the most part. I mean, it, it's a challenging film to wrap up because, right, it's just so insane from the first moment to the last. So I think it's, it's always going to be a challenge to kind of try to find a way to, to tie this bow in a knot, as it were. But that's it, man. That's the movie. Yeah, that's The Holy Mountain by Hodorowski. Final thoughts? Once again, I think everyone should watch it. Must be seen to be believed. One of the most audacious movies ever made. Some of the greatest, most iconic images ever produced. And I do identify, I would say that I do identify with like its messages on spirituality, commodification, reality. I think all that stuff is done really well. Like I said, there. The Devils, which is maybe another movie we should eventually watch for the show. I don't know. I think that movie kind of does similar things, but is a little bit better. But this movie is still iconic. It's still incredibly interesting. I think it's worth many rewatches. And yeah, there's just really nothing like it. And an incredible kind of surreal Mexican fantasy movie. And uh, yeah, it's definitely a 9 out of 10 for sure. For me, it's just so audacious. Yeah, this film is insane. It's uh, surreal, disturbing, nauseating at times. It's all over the place. Very cool set designs, uh, some great music. These actors were clearly all in for whatever, which is impressive in its own right. I am very impressed by the visuals and the imagination of this film and the... Uh, 
technical aspects of this film. I think it's a, a very impressive film. However, I didn't really love the experience. It wasn't necessarily something I would love to have again. I am glad that I saw it. I'm glad I had the experience. But for me, it wasn't a enjoyable experience necessarily. I think for me, I found his stuff a bit pretentious at times and a little on the nose. So I don't know. I think everyone should definitely watch it. I think it's an experience that needs to be had, as you said. But for me, I'm going to give it a four out of 10 because I, I did not enjoy the experience, even though I think it's a very well made film. I very much respect the film. It just wasn't for me. I figured it was a gamble for you in terms of whether or not you would enjoy it or not. It's pretty particular. Uh, <laughs> it's a particular uh, uh, taste, I guess. You know, for me, it's just, uh, it's right up my alley. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just a whole cinematic package, in my opinion. But yeah, it's 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 fine. Yeah, there's definitely nothing in the world like it. So if you want to have experience like no other, this is definitely one to have. He's still alive. He still makes movies. Oh, shit, really? He's still making shit? Still makes movies. Yeah, he was going to make... Uh, have you ever heard of the documentary, Hodorowski's Dune? Yeah. That was a movie about how he was going to make a, a Dune movie. That would have been insane. <laughs> it was going to have like a H.R. Geiger designs, and it was going to have music in it by Pink Floyd. Like That would have been fucking insane. Yeah, I've heard of it. I, I can't imagine. The only other Hodorowski I've seen is Santa Sangri, which is kind of like a circus type of movie. That one's really good. That one has a lot more Hispanic influences, like a lot of like culture, Hispanic culture. Yeah, I like that one too. That one's that one's pretty dark. All right, y'all. Thank you for listening. You can find everything I do at Austin Lugo One Two. I'm on Letterboxd at Retro Andrew R T R Zero Andrew. And you can find this podcast wherever you hear podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Nothing to Say or Theater Forty Two. And thank you all for listening. Thank you.